Welcome everyone to uh, I don't know, episode twelve of is Retro 12? Resolutions. Yeah, yeah I, it is, and the, the most recent episode on the uh, feed, as of recording, is the special episode, which was an interview I did in twenty eighteen with Ed Freeze about uh, Halo coming to Xbox and. Uh, we can talk about that in a minute, because um, today we're going to talk about uh, retro computers and gaming on, on retro computers. Um, but first, I want to hear a little bit about what you've been playing. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about some of the pl- games we've been playing. Oh, so, and by the way, sorry, I'm Dylan. This is Matt. So, yeah, Matt, what have you been playing lately? <laughs> uh, so what I've been playing is... Uh, mostly playstation games uh as you and i know of course mister has officially released the playstation uh module uh core core thank you i I don't know why i can't keep that word in my head so the new core has been officially released uh for the playstation you and i have been playing a lot of the beta previously to that yeah and uh it's just super exciting to see that a system as complex as a playstation on the mister to me is just really amazing yeah and, and it and it's great and so uh so i've been focusing on uh playstation and uh the first one that i really want to talk about is einhander uh yes you know, i played a little bit of that as as well also on the playstation oh, mister core awesome it is such a great game it used cd audio and it had just a fantastic soundtrack uh when it came out you know some of the games on playstation they would use the actual compact disc audio files and so the audio would just be perfect uh you know and some games of course didn't and they just used their own synthesized yeah a lot of games on playstation would use a combination yes that's true so like castlevania is a really good example of one that used a combination of the different audio formats because the the soundtrack really excellent cd quality audio Uh, the voiceover not right no so (laughs) it was it was really raw oh yeah bad bad uh so yeah uh einhunter great game i love the 2d 3d uh visual uh theme to it you know it and i it was so unique with the you know it's a space game it's a fighter game uh where you have this space it's like a bullet hell right yeah it's like a bullet hell going 2d uh going sideways and it's like you uh you shoot the enemies and you can steal their weapons. And depending on what ship you chose, you could have up to three different types yeah. of weapons that you could switch in and out that you've stolen from other ships that you've destroyed. And uh, I really uh, like that you can like flip the gun behind you and in yes. front of you. That's fun. And you can flip it into different positions. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Exactly. And uh, yeah, I like. It, I also really like that. Like it's not it's not a a flat plane side scroller like it will occasionally turn the camera to like a three quarters that three quarters exactly yeah it's like this 2d 3d yeah uh really neat use of the playstation technology but also kind of an old school side scrolling shooter bullet hell game and it's just it's a blast and the bosses are just amazing i mean they did so much really neat unique things with each boss at the end of each level anyway great game 
Mind Hunter, uh, classic for me on the PlayStation. And then the other one that I wanted to mention is uh, an RPG called uh, the original, I believe, on the PlayStation, which is called Valkyrie. And then it was uh, renamed Valkyrie Profile Lenit. And uh, that has probably the in my opinion the craziest beginning story uh you're this you're this uh woman uh warrior who is chosen to uh steal souls for the gods so you have to find these people that are uh great warriors in some way and you steal those souls and then if i remember somehow they become part of your party and it's just a crazy storyline. But uh, one of the things I loved about the game is as you're going through uh, the dungeons, it turns into a 2D side-scrolling uh, kind of part, part action game, part RPG. You're going through like a side-scroller, uh, you know, like uh, Contra, for example. But once you get to an enemy, it goes into an RPG screen where you do a, a typical RPG battle. And then once you finish the battle, it goes back to that 2D. So it had just some really unique uh, things. It has a huge fan base. And I had never played it, honestly, till, till uh, this week. And uh, I, like I said, the, the beginning story, it took, for me, it took like 45 minutes. It was one of the longest, craziest storylines I've seen in an RPG. But, uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the uniqueness of it. And uh, so, yeah, those are the two big retro games I've been playing the last couple nice, of Nice, nice. How about you? Yeah, that, that Mr. Core is is great. And and to uh, excite your uh, Shinobi brain here, uh, in beta, or the earlier, early, earliest beta core has been released for the uh, Sega Saturn oh i would not suggest going and messing around with it it's very beta i because i haven't i haven't tried it either but like it's like the very first beta release and i think you even have to compile it yourself so it's like oh it's one of those but which is the playstation core started out too but this means that this thing's coming in the next few months probably that is and yes you uh, have got me incredibly excited as you know <laughs> the only sega saturn game i know have is shinobi legions and uh i just loved that game i that blows me away if mister can do do a sega saturn yeah wow i mean like for me honestly i i and i i know we discussed this personally i felt like the playstation was kind of its limit of what a mister could do uh on its current you know uh board I, uh, I think it is, and the Saturn's a, similarly a 32-bit console. It is. Um, so but, they're you know, they're not the same, but they're no, very similar. Well, the Saturn like, had such. Uh, I mean, honestly, it was one of the. It wasn't emulated for a very long time, even on PCs, because of the the way they handled audio totally separately. You know, it had a 32-bit. Yeah. A audio processor and a really complex 32-bit video processor that uh, took a really long time to emulate. So if they can do that on the Mister, that's pretty amazing. Like you said, yeah. it is similar technology to a PlayStation, but uh, and it uh, does it does pull some of the very similar architecture from the 32X, which is already available on the Mister. Um, oh yes, absolutely. So, I didn't realize that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the 32X 
kind of you know was we'll say a prototype for it really it, kind of was some but... of the technology yeah. that went into the saturn um so anyway that's that's exciting that's awesome that's uh, very exciting i've also played some some ps1 lately uh i streamed a little bit of it actually the other day on my twitch channel twitch.tv slash press left that's right um what have i been playing though is not a lot other than yeah that stuff i streamed on my uh twitch channel and what was um, the what was the game on the twitch channel i i started with some rayman and i got bored of rayman and i switched to tomb raider oh uh, nice for the ps1 which tomb raiders just got some aesthetic you know that is it that is is a playstation game you know and and honestly we that is going to lead later on into some of our pc stuff because that game like you said it was a playstation game and it was also a voodoo 2 3d card video game on the pc that like just changed everything for 3d gaming on a pc yeah so what i've been doing what i've actually been spending more of my time on lately is I have been trying. So I had modified my Xbox, my original Xbox with a uh, uh, PADA to SATA adapter or PADA to SATA, you know, oh, so I could man. use it. PADA, wow. That, yeah. that stuff was brutal. So I, I could use an, an IDE to SATA connector adapter um, to, to how that mod works is you swap the original oh. hard drive out by, <laughs> by, taking away it's um microsoft tried to like key the hard drive to this yes motherboard like but, serial matching keys that yeah but if you overwrite with. the bios by wow. first unlocking the the hard drive code and set and then rewriting it to be all zeros then you could replace any hard drive as long as you told it that its key was all zeros <laughs> so you do that and then you can wow. swap the hard drive out and so there's this adapter that i had uh, for a, a IDE to SATA adra- adapter, and nice. I have this I have this 128 gig Kingston SSD that I've got lying around that I really wasn't using. I had been trying to use it for Linux inside my PC, but my PC didn't like multi booting, so I just now I have this drive lying yeah. around. Um, and I've also got this this G3 iMac that does work. <laughs> uh and i had told you i'd ordered an ipod and G3. i thought wow. what if i what if i put all my music on this g3 imac and then synced the ipod with wow. that imac but i would need a bigger than a four gigabyte hard drive that's in it four gigabytes yeah isn't that amazing it's oh. crazy so i was like what if i just did the exact same thing that i did for that xbox but with this 128 gigabyte SSD in that iMac. And so I spent like all day today actually trying to get this thing in. And there is something about it that doesn't work. Where like the master slave cable select jumper setting just like wouldn't work with the CD. It just wouldn't do it. I could get, I could get the like different, things to happen with it uh but i couldn't get it to work and i i just gave up eventually uh which is kind of disappointing 
but that is that's a bummer because that would be pretty amazing it'd be uh, fun on it oh yeah that'd be so fun and i've seen some people do it so it might just be that this adapter is bad it might just be that this ssd just i was gonna say sometimes you know i i you know in all my trials and playing with ssd on especially older equipment Mm -hmm. i i can literally take the same size but just a different company a different brand and it works and the other one doesn't and why probably some controller inside the ssd right you know is more compatible i don't know why but it is i got stumped because i pulled apart an external hard drive enclosure i have just to use its usb to sata connector (laughs) (laughs) wow and that worked really on the imac i could usb to sata yeah to this solid state drive and it would work but for whatever reason the ide adapter like couldn't do it i tried every possible configuration of this jumper yeah like you said the master and the slave stuff oh i just couldn't do it that yeah so i gave up uh but I think that's a pretty good segue because the interview that um, if you yeah. haven't had a chance to listen to it, that's quite all right. I'll give you a quick rundown of it. Please. The special, the special episode, um, which was kind of fun, uh, basically goes into detail at the, around the time of this iMac and the Xbox. Uh, the There's a history there. The developer Bungie, who now makes Destiny 2, created halo and they were working on halo they used to be actually a very well-known mac video game developer they, they made were pc mac games yeah but it was i games. mean they started a lot with the mac yeah That's so there's like oni and myth and there were some other ones that i think they made for other developer other publishers but um those were the big ones and then they made marathon which was kind of a first-person shooter. Oh, Doom that was the one style. I was thinking of. Was yeah. Marathon. Thank you. That, that was a big one on the Mac. I remember when that came out. I was like, dang, you know, that was like one of the first times where you know I I was I just grew up being a PC user because my parents were so you know that's what I had. But that was one of the first times I was like, man, I want a Mac just to play that game. It yeah. was awesome looking. So it was, it it was, was a- fun very much in the style of doom but it was kind of a predecessor to halo it, it really was because it was it, you know whereas doom was about demons and and hell and mars yeah. uh doom's got a wild story uh well doom was a oh, doom, doom was very much like a demonically themed game it really was uh uh halo was a very or sorry uh, marathon was a very like aliens in in space kind of shooter um so just and that was and that was right down you know sci-fi i don't know why doom went so on that demonic side because yeah you know the sci-fi era really started with like you know those games like marathon and that was that was huge yeah so it was very much a predecessor to halo and then being such a storied developer for mac they were they were getting they were working on halo which went through a billion different iterations where it was like a third person or it was it was originally a strategy game which Bungie had had a history on before with i think it was myth um and then and then it evolved into a third person shooter and then it finally landed on being a first person shooter but um that whole time they had been developing it as a, a mac game 
and so much so that it was its first ever appearance was on stage at Macworld and announced and introduced by Steve Jobs. Huge. And then less than a year later, Microsoft bought Bungie pretty much with the explicit purpose of bringing Halo to the Xbox. Right. And so the story that I was interested in in telling and hearing from Ed Freeze in that interview was like, I'd heard that Steve Jobs called Steve Ballmer upon hearing about the news that, that Microsoft bought Bungie and, and was mad. He's like, this is who don't know or don't know who tell us who Ed Freeze is. Okay. So Ed Freeze was the, the head of Microsoft game studios. Uh, well, Microsoft's games business, they later became Microsoft game studios. But anyway, um, Microsoft's whole history with games is, is, was a little bit more um, informal <laughs> before really uh, before what, Xbox. Um, so Steve Ballmer was CEO of, of Microsoft. And so Steve Jobs got mad about this and called up Steve Ballmer and was like, you took my Mac game. What the heck? I'm mad about this, you know, in, yeah. in this Steve Jobs way. And uh, so... Uh, Ed Freeze tells his story about how that happened. He had to call Steve Jobs back and then organize and and um, make a deal on bringing Halo to the Mac anyway as a ported game of Halo, uh, as well as like Age of Empires and uh, uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator or something. There was a couple of games that were part of the deal. And um, so he tells... Honestly, I didn't do that much interviewing because he... Uh, just kind of told the whole story and, and it um, was a great story i mean he yeah was, and he, you're right he was so he was very i mean i was so impressed with the interview because he was so talkative with you and i think you know you you kind of made him comfortable and he just went for it with that story and it was a great story yeah yeah i was i was quite interested in it uh in the in the special interview episode i um pieced in the clips of audio from those events so you can go back and hear steve jobs announcing uh halo and then you can go back and and it also cuts in his part of the deal was that he and um one of the co-founders of bungie had to go on stage ed freeze and one of the co-founders of bungie had to go on stage to announce halo was being ported to mac uh oh that's awesome Sounds like I need to re-listen to it because you're, you know, I listened to one of your early versions yeah. of it and it was great, but that, I like that you've included a lot more of the history because yeah. there is so much history there. So that was, that was quite interesting. And, yeah. you know, I grew up mostly playing games on consoles, but I did dabble in PC games a little bit. Um, you know, as you get older, there's the PC uh master race uh yeah. goons who go around you're like you're a loser if you play games on console I know, um right? so some of my friends some of my friends started to, to believe that uh ah, gotcha. so i you know it was around um i was around 11 or 12 when that started to happen and wow. the, the period of time was like warcraft 3 command and conquer um counter-strike and battlefield 1942 those are the games that come to mind when i think about my experience playing pc games pc games Uh, you know for me and you know of course this dates me but i 
you know, I was around when there were no personal computers, you know, they just didn't, they just weren't out there. And uh, I was very young, I'm happy to say when that when that period was, but uh, my mom was a, uh, an admin for several different companies, but they would loan her or give her computers that she could take home. And so that was my first experience was this huge, it was like, it looked, I mean, it was monstrous. It was a suitcase and, and, but the very top of it would have the keyboard attached and you'd pull the keyboard down and there would be like a six inch amber or green, black and green monitor. And then two disc, uh, physical floppy disk drives, no hard drive. Hard drives didn't exist at this point. And, you know, it would have like 64K memory. I mean, they were just that small. But uh, whoever uh, gave her the computer gave, and this was probably the first game that I remember playing on the PC, was Microsoft Flight Simulator 1.0. And, you know, it was... No, this is like in uh, like a Windows 3.1 it wasn't, it was DOS. It wasn't DOS, that's right. Windows, yeah. yeah, it was literally DOS. Uh, so, and, and so as a kid, I had to learn DOS commands to, you know, start games, move them around from disk to disk. And I'm glad that I was in that era because that, you know, launched me into, yeah, I played with Windows 2 point something and it was terrible. You know, it was really a mess. And then Windows 3.1 was finally kind of the first one where you could use it as a launcher, but they would always launch back down into DOS at that point. Windows 95 was the first time where there was native gaming. And again, I saw all of that as, as I was growing up. But the, uh, uh, the, the first game that comes to mind that was really special to me was a game called Starflight. All one word, and they had Starflight 1 and 2. And uh, it, was, it was a brilliant game because it... Uh, it was the, one of the first space exploration games. You would get a ship and you could actually go out and mine stuff on these different planets. And these planets were computer generated. And there was like 300 planets out there that you could go out in this on, in different solar systems and explore them, uh, talk to aliens, find ancient alien architecture on these planets and mine it and, and then sell it and then upgrade your weapons or upgrade your drive on your ship. It so was, what was know, the really like good. what was the like minute to minute gameplay like was this like an action game was it It a... was a very slow almost top down strategy type game where you would just uh you know you could go anywhere there was actually a, a huge storyline and a plot to it but you could literally just go around and mine and explore ships and talk to aliens and do kind of what you wanted it was one of the first games that felt open world to me so and... this is the original no man's sky Really, it kind of was. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was just, yeah, it was, anyway, uh, me and my friend totally got into it, and uh, we were, you know, this was right when uh, Star Trek 1 and Star Trek 2 movies were out, and so it was kind of a fun deal to uh, literally pretend like you were on a Star Trek mission with these with these ships that you could fly around, and, and like I said, it was a top-down 1d view of of a ship that you would fly around and uh but when you landed on the planet it would kind of do this 3d landing thing uh but it was all wire drawn and it was very simple but at that time that was amazing graphics and uh uh and that was yeah starflight was 
and still is near and dear to my heart. I still boot it up. Uh, they later ported it over to the Sega Genesis, uh, but it felt like a very different... Whoa, okay, so I just pulled up a video of it. Of the original? It, yeah. The PC? Yeah. It just... Am I describing it well enough? I'm, I'm struggling. You are, you are, and I'm taking a look at this, like, this like landing sequence is yes. is it's really quick. It is, but it is really kind of neat. Uh, it really was. I mean, at that time, there was nothing like that. I mean, the, the yeah, a lot of this visual... game looks pretty pretty hokey. Uh, but that was like kind yeah. of like mind blowing. Just like oh, this game could do that because like right. a lot of it looks like it's like half text adventure, yeah, half video like, i mean half screen like, uh, of the monitor of your yeah ship. yeah and uh and then and, you, oh, and you this, had it's got this like too. little grid where you've got like the like a zoomed in picture of the latin launch of the uh of the the surface of the planet so you're like yeah. orbiting it and you can see a picture of the planet in the distance yeah and then you've got a zoomed in panel of what the surface like geography looks like yes and then and you, you can like where you'd want to land to find to land stuff. and then you do it and the picture of the planet like zooms in really quick and then it gives you like like you described like a wireframe of like the topography of the planet yeah. as you land right. so you can like see the hills and valleys as you're like landing but it's really quick so it is um, but it was i mean that was amazing and like yeah and you had a crew that you could train there was nothing like that before where you like you you upgraded your your crew which felt very you know very early rpg kind of style stuff and so you know if you had a good communicator uh, communications engineer that you could they could talk to the aliens that you would that you would once you come upon they would have alien ships flying around and they would either attack you or if you had a good in, uh, communications engineer you could convince them to do trades with you versus being attacked and so depending on how you managed your crew you had different advantages like if you had a good science officer they could help you find good things to mine on those planets and things like that so it, I mean, it had it had a lot of complexity for a very simple looking game, but the depth of it was pretty amazing. Uh, and the Starflight Two was also a great game, and they upgraded from CGA, which is four color video, to sixteen color graphics, which <laughs> was amazing. Again, an amazing thing at that time. Uh, I wonder. I wonder. This has to have more than four colors on it. I think it does, uh, and and uh, I think they improved the graphics a lot for the the number two, uh, but no, even I, I maybe I'm looking at maybe this is number two. But I'm like wondering if you're looking at looking two at. or if you're looking at the Sega Genesis version. See, that's kind of the problem too. No, there's no way this is the Sega Genesis okay. version. But like, <laughs> it has okay. more than though. Maybe it's like maybe it's doing like a Game Boy Color thing where it's like uh, like different regions can have different color or i guess it's the super game boy but um or like different regions can have the four colors so if you like separate your four i don't know it's got well, more and than the four thing colors is, you know uh back in the day uh if you wanted to get a 16 color game you also had to have what was called 
an EGA monitor. So they had CGA, which was four color. So when I played that game, I only had a four color monitor. So that may be the problem is that I remember it as being four color because of oh, the fact but maybe that the game itself supported more than that. If you it had may have supported hardware. more than that, uh, you know, but, you know, again, in my memory, because I had a CGA four color monitor at that time, that's all I played it in. Uh, I did, you know, my parents actually skipped EGA and went to VGA, uh, which is 256 colors. And, and again, that was amazing. Uh, and when that happened, yeah. uh, there was a game called 688 Attack Sub. And once again, instead of a ship, you're flying, you're, you're commanding a submarine. And uh it was uh a classic for me same kind of thing you had a crew you wouldn't you know you had to uh be a little stealthy or or fight underwater and the vga graphics uh were were kind of amazing at that point in time now if you find videos of that uh you will see that it has a tiny little screen where they would show like a periscope kind of view and that and it would be uh some of the first 3D uh, pixelated uh, stuff that was out there on, on a computer. But uh, uh, one thing I want to take a kind of a step back uh, that I forgot uh, that I wanted to mention, and I, and I need to bring up the, uh, the wiki page so I don't forget everything. So your interview reminded me of another period during the PC era, uh, and we've already mentioned Doom, and right. uh, and one of the main creators of that, his name was John Romero. And uh, John Romero at the time was famous because he, you know, he was making all these games that were really unique. And Daikatana. Uh, boom. That's exactly where I'm going. Daikatana. Yeah. You nailed it, my friend. You That's nailed funny. it. Uh, so, you know, the big news was this new game he was doing. He, he, he broke off from, uh, uh, oh shit, I forget the company he was with there, uh, ID Software, you know, which, and, and I'll tell you, when he made Quake, that game for me was just, you know, uh, new technology, the 3D. I remember my dad, he had a friend that had spent like four grand on this computer. And it could play Quake, you know, just perfectly. And uh, at and at like 1074, 1024 by 768, which at that time, that resolution was insane that if you could do that. You know, most computers were doing 800 by 600 at most, uh, which is so crazy compared to what the, you know, to 4K that we're doing now without even thinking about it. But anyway, back to Daikatana. Uh, this was going to be his new master game. It was going to be uh, it, the hype of that game was so incredible. And if you ever look up John Romero, I think, I mean, he looks like this at the time, he looked like this kind of hardcore metal guy. You know, he was uh, like, I think he really wanted to be a leader of a metal band. I mean, that's the way he looked and he had, he's still, he's to this day. He, that's how he looks. He yeah, looks he's like got a, a serious, he's got guts. I mean, I, I, he's I, got I these know, locks, you know? Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. crazy. And, uh, anyway, Daikatana was super hyped. You know, it was going to come out for, uh, the PC and it was going to come out, uh, for 
and for the Nintendo 64, actually. And uh, you would control this sword master through different periods of, of time during conflicts of the world, starting in Japan, which even back then, of course, I was already into Japan and ninjas and all that stuff was really huge as when I was a kid. So, uh, and the, the graphics looked amazing. And it came out, of course, after all this super hype. And this is one of the first games that I remember that was so hyped that flopped and it flopped big time. And, uh, I've gone back and played it. In fact, a couple of weeks ago, I went back and played it after reading some of this, you know, some of the storyline again and remembering all of this. And it's truly a terrible game. I mean, it's really awful. And even, you know, even like retro, uh, yeah, just trying to remember how, how I remember being so excited for that game. And then when it finally came out, it was so terrible and the sales were terrible. And in fact, the one thing that I want to give John Romero, though, I want to give him serious props because the game was actually released on the Game Boy system. Uh, I was just about to ask you if you'd seen the port to the Game Boy Color, which yes. was only released by John like a few years ago. Well, that was the thing. It was actually released outside of the U.S. It because because Daikatana bombed so bad, they only re- they did release it like I think within the same year, but it was only in Europe and Japan, and yeah. that's it. And then what? But the props that I will give him, and I, and this is I think where you were going, is a couple years ago, he said, "Hey, you know, here's the the ROM file. Right. Go play it. You know, it's yours." And, you know, use emulators. This is, you know, here you go. And I thought that was really cool that he did it. And I'll be honest, I I, I haven't played it. I meant to. Uh, but uh, I know it's a very different type of game than the one, of course, that was made available for the PC. But, uh, you know, when, when you were talking about all this stuff with uh, early, the, the your interview and the early games, it just... For whatever reason, it just it went right to, for me. It went right to John Romero and, and the hype of this game. And of course, we've seen many other games that have now, you know, that have been so hyped and end up bombing or recover, hopefully. But so many games don't, you know. And uh, uh, but Daikatana was to me the first game that really, especially on the PC, that just really, really bombed. So uh, yeah, that was a fun one. So uh, I know you you didn't. Uh, play a lot of games but is there anyone uh, any particular pc game that really stood out for you or macintosh game i mean it could be it could be on the commodore you know just a computer <laughs> is really what i think so uh i mean my my okay i have a couple of stories i think i can tell on this okay they're not like long stories but yeah like I'm my, my my history with with pc games is not like not nearly as as uh, consistent or as storied as my history with console and handheld games. Um, yeah, my early one of my earliest memories at all that my brain contains <laughs> is a memory of my dad playing what surely was like some sort of like shareware recreation of yeah. Street Fighter. Yes. On yeah, Street Fighter were, 2 on the PC. There were so many fake ports of that game. It right. was crazy. Uh, like, I, you know, I didn't realize until recently, really, uh, that that game wasn't a... It had 
it, it wasn't a port, port to PC until like modern day, you know? Yeah, uh, really. So whatever he was playing, whatever this, this memory is, was like, a, like a, some game that somebody had made. And I'd, I'd heard that there was like um, whatever this, this pirate version of Street Fighter 2 for PC that was going around at the time, like somebody had stuck mortal Kombat characters in it or something really? but i i remember pretty distinctly him playing street fighter 2 with like blanca and like guile and ryu on it yeah um, and then i also remember him and, and we're talking like i was like two years old wow. uh, maybe three yeah um wow. but i remember him playing doom with a friend of his and they, he, his friend must have brought a pc over and they they did some sort of system link which yeah i'm also realizing must have been some modified version of doom because doom yeah, didn't it, have yeah, multiplayer the original doom, i don't think was multiplayer you know quake was one of the first ones that i remember um, as being a game right. that you could play you know multiplayer on a local land but prior to that they used even serial cables to like connect computers you know one to one you know with serial cables were you know terrible connections you know they were awful you, yeah. you know they were used for like printers and things you know but i remember i remember pretty distinctly like they were like they were like the computers were were facing each other and wow. just on the other side of a wall and so like they would lean over and be like <laughs> how did you get i remember very distinctly wow my dad asking his friend like leaning over around around the corner of the wall saying like how did you get in there fun <laughs> and and the other guy was like in some sort of bunker in a window you know in doom so my memory could be off but those those are some early memories i have of just seeing pc games and um the possibilities that they had and then yeah. like i said as i became like 11 or 12 and started to we had like a pc that was like a hand-me-down that was in our uh the kids living <laughs> my parents mostly spent their time upstairs and then the kids had a living room downstairs where you know yeah. the, the video games and the, the tv where the cartoons were watched was um and i kind of just took over that pc and uh so i would play whatever it would run it was like the you know the dude we're getting adele commercials yeah it was it was adele from that age of time so uh, you think it was like a 486 or a pentium i wonder uh it would have been a pentium i was thinking maybe, that... maybe even a celeron wow interesting Which would, celeron is better than pentium right well celeron it was depend actually... on the time it depends yeah, yeah sometimes it was worse and sometimes it was better you know they yeah. kind of celeron originally was supposed to be a cheaper pentium i think was the original design but you know there was more overclocking and all sorts of other things we could talk about this, this would have been like a pentium 2 era oh yeah I, okay i'm guessing just because that's what the phrases of cpus that are stuck in my head yeah yeah so all i right. would guess it was something like that uh the 
the kinds of things I would play though, like I didn't realize that different PC specs would allow for different games. Like I didn't yeah. have a full grasp on like minimum requirements. So like I would try to play Battlefield 1942, which I like oh. went and bought for 30 bucks at the, at a target and, wow. you know, tried to play with friends and, or, you know, like I experimented with the like way that the servers would just like, Yep. it was just a list of servers that people were hosting and oh man yeah mod people would just like have modded servers where you know there was like a pirates mode and uh there's just wild stuff like i i yeah it was just my first like real personal dabbling in pc games and, and sure. like, kind of weird stuff they could do and then and then like i, I went and found i could add some ram I think my dad had a couple of old computers that were like sitting in the garage and I was like, well, more Rams better than the Ram that I have in it. And I just like harvested the Ram from these computers in the garage that weren't using them and they happened really? to be compatible. Yeah. And there were extra slots in them. I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. So I just like crammed as much Ram as I could get into this thing, which is probably like three quarters of a gig. <laughs> and uh wow. i we you know it would run a little better uh and i would yeah i would play whatever i could so warcraft 3 i like split with my sister so that would have been around that time and yeah, uh and then actually the games that i mostly played on this thing were nintendo 64 games running on the project 64 emulator oh wow nice and, and that then, was really that era and yeah boy I have to say, your stories reminded me of, of a lot of things that uh, that I had seen. And like I said, I was back in the day, you know, I remember an 8086, you know, which now they, we have calculators that are faster than an 8086 computer. They were like oh, yeah. four to six megahertz. I mean, it was amazingly slow. But man, they used everything they could. And, you know, I when my parents upgraded to a 286, that was a whole new world. I mean, there was more memory. I, it came with two megabytes of memory, which was insane at the time. And uh, I got Wing Commander, and they had a voice add-on, and you had to have a sound card, which is was a, a very new thing. Uh, uh, and if you got a sound card, you had to go. I think you had to either go to two. I think you had to go to two megabytes, uh, and. Uh, and so people were upgrading their RAM just to play Wing Commander with the new audio, which it had voice, it had synthesizer. It was mostly synthesizer music and sound. Yes. You know, but for a game of that era, that was all new, you know, and it was just incredible. And so Wing Commander was a huge one for me, you know, it was a space, space, Star Wars-like opera type game. And, uh, man, it, I played, I think, the first three and... Uh, uh, and then there was an, another one that was kind of separate. I'm, I'm skipping the name because it's it's uh, my memory's gone on it. But anyway, they were a lot of fun. But Quake, uh, that was the and uh, forgive me because I am not sure my memory is good enough to remember whether it was Quake One or Quake Two. But uh, I started working, and this was my first tech. Uh, you know, you and I are both had have had technical careers and this was the first technical job that I, I, uh, uh, been hired for was this company, uh, 
would basically work for other companies. So they would do uh, tech support, phone tech support for different companies. Like they had Microsoft account and they had uh, what was Quest at the time. I think it eventually became like one of the other companies like Verizon or something like that. Oh, but yeah. at the time, Quest was a, a phone company and they had dial-up internet service, which at that time was, you know, fairly new. And uh, But what I loved uh, is in the break room, they had six computers all running Quake on a LAN. And so you could play, you know, and that was the first time where I was playing multiplayer and playing against other players and using a mouse to control your view. You know, before that, uh, almost all the games, you just used your keyboard and had direction arrows, you know, and that was it. You know, it was a set point of view, even if it was in, in a 3D visual type. Right. Uh, like Doom isn't a, actually a first person shooter. It really isn't. It's it I really mean, it is. is. But also like the the yeah. the the first person view in that game is actually an illusion. It's actually a totally. top down shooter. It really is. And yeah. all of all of the first person view is an illusion that is, is con- constructed to make the game more appealing. Yeah. Which is not to actually discredit it as No, to, it, it did it it yeah. did it. I mean, you know, it was it was groundbreaking at the time, you know. Right. For sure. And so, then games you know, like Quake I, came I along and that was a, that. that was a real first person view and the yeah. game was actually rendering a first person space and so it had vertical look, right? Yeah. That was like I don't know what the first vertical look game was, but like Doom didn't have vertical up and down looking. No, it didn't. It had uh, no mouse control. You just you just had a straightforward set point of view to my remembering, and that was it. Quake though, or Quake Two especially, you know, really utilized the mouse to to uh, do uh, movement and targeting, and that was a whole new experience at that time. And and it, and uh, again, multiplayer was just really unique and fun. Uh, although you know, uh, over. Uh, over the internet wasn't a thing yet. You know, that was still a few years off yet uh, at that point. But uh, still, it was really fun. And it was a, it's a great memory for me to be able to, you know, hey, go to the break room and, and play Quake with, with other people. That was pretty fun. Because uh, beyond that, we were all nerds and we were all playing Magic the Gathering and had our little mini, mini Magic, Magic the Gathering tournaments, which a great memory, but a totally different subject. I just remembered something. Yeah. It is a PC game from, oh, from back in the day. Doom clones were very common. Yes. Right? Basically wow. just reskins of Doom. They really, yes. One of the most prominent of these was a game called Chex Quest. Oh, I don't, that doesn't sound familiar. Do you know about Chex Quest? Chex Quest was a free game, I think. I don't even know, honestly. Chex Quest was basically a Doom clone that where you were this guy that looked like a Chex, you know, like Chex the cereal, like uh, the corn, the kind of the rice, crosshatch, cross yeah, and he just a couple of the squares were cut out and he had eyes, you know, like the wow. Doom guy, you know, his 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 face is at the bottom of the screen. The Chex Quest was the was the Chex guy with like eyes cut into the Chex piece, and they, you know they looked back and forth like the Doom guy. Yeah, and then you went around with this little like zapper gun shooting like <laughs> snot monsters. Um, wow. 
and uh yeah i mean that was it you'd shoot you'd shoot snot monsters with milk and cereal and so i remember that uh i also remember there was this game called like elf bowling that it was just a very simple bowling game but you were santa claus it was all over the bbc's uh the bulletin board systems bbs excuse me and uh yeah that was people were nuts over that game and it was such a simple you know that was that game to me reminds me of you know eventually what what became iphone and android type games you know simple but very addictive uh play uh for uh for a pc game and that yeah that was unique yeah i mean it it was it was honestly just kind of a very simple bowling game but the joke was that you know the elves were on strike and so they like were lined up and santa would like bowl a snowball at them and knock them over and it was a little bit maybe the version i had was no that's graphic yeah but like you could like bowl them over and they would like bleed out their mouths because you like yeah it was pretty pretty disgusting yeah yeah uh you know pc games are wild um well and you know uh they are wild. And, uh, and in fact, the one wild game I want to kind of bring up is uh, there were, uh, they were uh, games uh, put out by, uh, and this was Sierra, uh, the company. Oh, I know Sierra. Very early. You know, they had King's Quest games. They had the Space Quest games, the Police Quest games. All, and all of those were fun, especially the Space Quest for me personally. Uh, uh, you know, side-scrolling text adventure game kind of thing i mean they were pretty simple you know really but uh but they also came out with a game called leisure suit larry which was one of the first games that was like openly on the perverse side and it had a very sexual element i don't want to go any farther than that uh in our family friendly podcast (laughs) but uh and honestly uh I remember going, I got to beat this game, you know? And of course, at this point in my life, my hormones are raging. I was, I was in middle school and uh, the very end, basically all they do is show you a picture of a woman in a bikini in a hot tub and you're with her, you know, and that's basically it. That was the ending of the game, you know, but uh, at the time it was like, you had this idea that it was going to be something more than that. And of course it wasn't. Uh, Right. right. uh, And the games got really really terrible honestly i and i mean i think they even made one a couple of years ago and i was like are you serious they're still trying to put these out and they're, and they've gotten sleazier and sleazier so it's a bummer deal but i have to say you know that was a, a moment in my pc gaming history sure. that i do remember was leisure suit larry number one and i just uh, remembered silly uh actually your story about leisure suit larry for whatever reason it has nothing to do with that actually but i okay. do remember so <laughs> Uh, uh, I think the I think the series of games actually is called BattleTech, but mm-hmm. um, but the game I remember being fascinated with was a game my dad bought called for for Windows ninety five yeah. called Mech Assault or Mech Warrior. Well, there was right? Mech Warrior and and especially on the PC, I believe Mech Warrior two and Mech Warrior three. Yeah, I was a huge fan of Mech Warrior three. I mean, yeah. Oh, I mean, robots, combat, 
Right. And yeah. And I remember trying to play it and it like wasn't maybe it didn't maybe my dad's PC wasn't good enough, but like it just like didn't work. Right. <laughs> and it was like kind of a clunky game. I thought maybe you had to use he had this uh sidewinder joystick. You really needed a joystick for that game. You yeah. did. And it didn't like I even tried to use the joystick and like it didn't map right or something. I don't know. Uh, Obviously, I was doing something wrong, but uh, yeah, you would you, you'd be in this like first person view view, yeah, and then you'd kind of walk around these hilly, very polygonal, very landscapes, line drawn mountains. I mean, they yeah. were yeah, and then simple. and then yeah, you'd like shoot at this other robot guy. Right. Um, it it seemed so much cooler. Yes. in concept than it was. in execution. The AI was pretty much non-existent. I mean, it just came yeah. at you and shot, you know, yeah. all yeah. it did. You know, it was no real intelligence to the to the enemies that you fought on that game. But it what you know, props to it because man, I mean, they're still making those games and I recently played, I think it was MechWarrior 5 and it was pretty amazing. If you were into that type of game. Uh, They've made, uh, they even made a, a MechWare Online, which is a free game. Uh, but it's one of those got, kind of gotcha games where you, again, pay for upgrades and stuff like that for, uh, uh, advancement, you right, know, or yeah. easy advancement versus. So, so the one games. I played was 100% MechWarrior 2. Was it? Probably the Pentium edition. Well, and, and I'll tell you, I had a Pentium and I played the first one or the second one, excuse me, and it barely played. I mean, I, I it, really didn't play that game till I got a Pentium too. It looked like such garbage, uh, <laughs> even even in the day. Like, oh, it I, really it really was basic. I mean, even in the day, but uh, it was such a big deal because it was these you know this mech assault thing was so new uh right. to my generation and uh it, it you know it really did it's totally stuck with me uh and even the new ones i keep track of because of that silly clunky no intelligent enemy game uh but still i, I don't know there's yeah there's kind of a soft I should go find out. I should see if I could try and play, or I could like emulate somehow and play Mech Warrior Two on PC. I was gonna say I might have it in my GOG games. Oh uh, yeah. I have all the Wing Commander games. Uh, the other game that I was trying to think of earlier was Wing Commander Privateer. That was the last one I really got into. They made some more other games, but that one was pretty huge. Uh, let me scroll real quick. I just want to see if I do have MechWare. Uh, I I don't. I have the MechWare Five Mercenaries, which is a newer game, and then I have the MechWare Online, which again is also a new uh, game, newer game. But I don't. They yeah, it doesn't look like they have the MechWare. So yeah, you would probably have to play it in a VM at this right, point, right. you know, with Windows ninety five running. I'm sure you could though. Uh, I'd be kind of curious to see if I could get that up and running. Uh, there was another game, I believe Sierra published it. It was called Earth Siege, and uh, much lesser known, but the graphics, in my opinion, were better than MechWire. It was very similar uh, to MechWire, but uh, Earth Siege 1 and 2 were great games. But uh, I don't think I've ever met anybody else 
that played those games. They just, they weren't very popular. And, uh, but I thought they were great. They had a good storyline. The graphics were better uh, at the time. Uh, they are certainly dated at this point, uh, but those were pretty neat. And uh, anyway, earlier, prior to our podcast, you and I were talking about some other games uh, on the place. Or did you, sorry, did you bring up Tomb Raider on the PlayStation? In our yes. Podcast? Okay, thank you. I couldn't remember if that was pre-podcast or after. Thank you. So uh, Tomb Raider, uh, and we both agree that it was one of the groundbreaking games for the PlayStation in its its right. its, its 3D visual style. It's third person. Uh, it's it's a woman character, uh, and you know she's brave. She's she's just awesome, and uh, you know she became such a huge character in 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 gaming in general for for well even today, honestly, you know, uh, but so Tomb Raider, when it came out, the PC version, uh, was one of the first games in my memory to support what was called the Voodoo 2, which was an add-on 3D video card for the PC. So you had your regular VGA out, and you would literally take that VGA and you had a, and you would have to plug in the card, the Voodoo 2 card. But on the outside of the computer, you would literally plug your VGA and, to a cable that went into the Voodoo card. And then there was another output port that would go to your actual VGA monitor. So the, VD, the 3D video would get sent to the second card, which is to me amazing because I don't remember any kind of delay when I was playing those games and I'd always worried about it. I'm like, man, if this thing has to go through, you know, it has to get sent through the VGA to this other video card. And, uh, uh, and then, uh, the Voodoo three, and this was by a company called 3d FX, which I was a huge fan of the Voodoo company and was, uh, actually kind of heartbroken when NVIDIA, uh, ended up winning the 3D battle of the PC game systems. But the Voodoo 3 actually came out and it was a single card that could do the VG. It did everything. So you didn't have to have like a connector to go through a, a VGA uh, video card first to the card. It just did everything all in one card, which was, of course, what we do now and what, you know, what PC games uh, have is just a singular card. And uh, yeah, NVIDIA... Uh, I bought uh, the, I, I believe it was a Voodoo 5, I think, was their last one. It could have been a Voodoo 4. And I, and I got one of those. And it was, the card barely fit in the computer. It was the longest video card I've ever owned. I mean, it just, by a sliver, fit into a, a full, uh, full ATX, you know, uh, motherboard. It was just huge. Uh, and it was also one of the first ones where you had to add power to it from your power supply. Uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun when that era, that era was huge for me. And at that point, I was pretty much an exclusive PC gamer, you know, because the graphics were better than anything that was out on console at that time. You know, they caught up, uh, you know, within a year or two. But at that point, the PC, it, that's when I think, you know, that 
era started of like, oh, PC gaming is always going to be better than consoles, which is garbage, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it is I mean, better is maybe not what I would say, but yeah, well, more yeah, technically well, capable is true. Yeah, uh, and that's always going to be true, right? If you're willing to shell out and yeah. and deal with the <laughs> complications of PC gaming, which cannot be. Uh, ignored it's certainly easier than it ever has been but pc gaming is not exactly like as easy as a console right yeah um and the gap is smaller all the time but there's certainly an advantage if you can if you can afford to get the top of the line graphics cards and yes if you want to spend the money you're absolutely right and that's a good point is that you know video card technology uh especially on the pc is always i think going to be one step ahead because you know at, at when it's with a console they have to say okay at a te- they literally say okay technology stop and on that date they don't do anything newer uh for setting up that console you know they literally say okay today's the day we stop let's build this console and it will not go any further than the technology that exists today and you know that's hard you know because of course pc video cards are always going to be making new ones they're going to come out with new ones and 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 i will definitely say for myself personally because i grew up with both console and pcs uh i'm i'm pretty i'm almost evenly split between the two systems i go back and forth i don't i can't spend the $1000 for the latest card I have spent the five to six hundred dollars for a mm-hmm. video card, and 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 I've and I've spent quite a bit of money on you know the computer, the motherboard, the processor, the memory. All of that comes, of course, into play for a PC and the complexity of that. Uh, but right now, I have to say, you know, I recently got an Xbox Series X, and that's been my focus, and and that's been really nice. I have to, you know, like you said, there is far less complexity. It, the the load times are really fantastic with the new SSD system that it, they've set up. Both and and this is the same thing with the PS5. You know, to me those systems are very similar in their technology, yeah. and you know the, one has some advantages and so does the other. So once again, I'm split. I think that they're all great systems, and I I really can't come out and say, oh yeah, I, I'm a hardcore PC gamer for sure, and forget consoles. Absolutely not. I love them all. I love, you know, yeah. I love oh, the oh, anyway, I can play a good game, you know. Uh, That's right. That's right. There are some like things. Let me just nag on PCs a little bit. Because, oh no! Oh no! no, right. no well, <laughs> go for it. I'm ready. Look, I I think that the freedom and flexibility and and absolute top of the line gaming experience you can get from PCs is of course unrivaled. Um, sure. On consoles, but. We can't ignore that sometimes PC games are inexplicably worse than their console counterparts because they're poorly optimized or they've got some anti-piracy measures that have deliberately like DRM is terrible. And that, along with the fact that you're running an operating system that has a bunch of other priorities aside from gaming, or it's just like problems that they have, which you know, if you're just wanting to play a video game, sometimes it's easy to just, you know, pick up a controller on a system that has a defined spec point that, you know, a target spec that all developers are trying to 
you know, fit in and they that. know the stop get like you said, they know the stop day of that technology. They yeah. program specifically for that technology. Right. Or PCs, they have to constantly be you know they have uh, to throw a wide net, which can sometimes result in the best um, optimization. And one thing I will also say too, and this is a nag, is that a lot of games nowadays are being programmed, say for the Xbox Series X, and then they port it to the PC. Yes. And, yeah. and, and it's clearly a port. 20 years or so. Oh, man. And it's like, and so, and that is such a bummer, especially when you've spent all that money for the latest and greatest, and all you get is this clearly a port. And, and yeah. it still probably looks great and plays great. Sometimes, actually, I take that back a little bit. Uh, and that's, I would nag on that for sure. So yeah, many. but anyway... Uh, you know, PC, PC gaming's good. I'm glad I've gotten into it. Um, yeah, there were just certain quirks. I feel like, I feel like in the mid nineties to the like mid two thousands, like the mid aughts, you know, yeah. like from, from like 1993 to like 2004 was like probably this, that, that, that 10, 11 year gap is like probably the most exciting possible time in history to be playing PC games. It was, it was, a, it was, it was. And just cause, cause think about all the technologies that were coalescing at that time. Yeah. You know, you're, we're talking about the invention of the internet in, you know, a, a modern, you know, uh, uh, the, the HTTP was really what was happening at that time. Yeah. We're talking about... Know, back then it was called World Wide Web because they wanted to yes. differentiate it, you know. And it yeah. was different. It was new. And it, it yeah, absolutely. And we're, and we're talking about 3D graphics. And we're talking yes. about uh, uh, sound. Like, like it is, it's, it's going to sound so dumb to anyone who's even slightly younger than me or even the people who are my age who don't remember... The PC sound cards were like an investment and it a was. huge difference between a cheap one and the and a, a good one. And because, and not having one, all you had was a yeah. little speaker that could guy make beeps and muffled yeah. noise, and that's all it could do. So if you didn't invest in a video card, or a sound card, terrible. Oh, sound card. Sorry, yeah. if you didn't invest in a sound card, man, you just didn't have sound. I mean anything usable and like yeah. you said there were ones that could only do like synthesizer and there was like ones that uh you know like you said if you invested more it could do synthesizer it could do voice audio and and at the time it was it was uh and it could do samples and you know all yeah, sorts it could do of stuff. samples yeah. exactly and uh at that time i remember kind of splitting my money uh 3d video card and then buying a good you know uh, video, uh audio card as well so you you had to kind of split your investment otherwise you didn't get a good gaming experience if you didn't have both so that's a yeah good it's fun to like the mister can actually do this the it's fun to go in and and set up the mister for yes. uh doom and then and then adding in the sound card options to nice. like go from like the default like whatever the uh what is it the 486 or the 386 yeah, that i it think it was do. a 486 that it, the mystery. and yeah 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 and so like the default setting there doom sounds kind of bad 
but you can actually go into the mr settings and give it a better sound card and it sounds way better like it's night and day it's it's kind of imp- incredible to me what was happening in that period of time oh yeah and, absolutely and i wasn't even like uh a part of it i i just have heard and like I'm, I'm oh yeah back. i was experiencing all of that of course firsthand and it was it was just uh yeah it was it was really unique and fun period that uh uh that I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know if that experience is going to ever happen again, because now that technology, technology is just default. You're, you know, for most people, the motherboard comes now with pretty good audio. In fact, that's what I'm using right now. You know, I didn't go spend, you know, 400, you can still go buy a $400 audio card and they're amazing. And, but for most, for the most part, you don't need that anymore. You just, it's, you have a good, audio chip built right into the motherboard you don't even have to worry about it and that's yeah and that's uh and that's great i i mean i love that but yeah that you know that era back then it just was so such a different time and and the development of the 3d technology and watching the 3d cards come out uh, at that time and then when uh uh radeon came out uh, and started mm-hmm. competing with NVIDIA, you know, after 3DFX died out. Uh, that competition was so exciting. And I I have gone back and forth between Radeon and NVIDIA for the last 20 years, you know, or 15 years. And uh, it's exciting to see it. Yeah. I, I have to say NVIDIA right now, uh, you know, for the last, well, last, I don't know, five to 10 years, NVIDIA is usually one step ahead of uh radions it seems like and of course now it's amd radion uh, yeah well it was ati for a long oh, time and then yeah i was trying to think it, of like what the, is the brand company? of graphics card is is radion but uh, yeah but it, but ati was the company thank you and then they got bought out by amd which makes cpus and and also now yeah. the and that was pretty cool at the time because i was an amd fan so when they got you know when you could match them up that yeah. was awesome you know and it didn't um, simplify things at that time yeah so i'm gonna i think it's a pretty good good place to stop uh yeah i think we've really covered i think that the pc but and yeah this was super fun this was great yeah um well thanks for joining us everyone um as always you can uh send us emails at retro res pod at gmail.com we'd love to hear your input um And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.